My mind rebels at stagnation. Give me problems. Give me work. Give me the most abstruse cryptogram or the most intricate analysis, and I am in my own proper atmosphere. But I abhor the dull routine of existence. I crave for mental exaltation. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Hosted by Dan Mickle and brought to you by Soul Performance Academy. This is the podcast that answers your questions on mental performance training and takes a deeper dive into the world of performance psychology. You can reach us at podcast at properatmosphere.com or across all social media at 717soul. We look forward to hearing from you and now on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Proper Atmosphere Podcast, powered by Soul Performance Academy, and I am your host, Dan Mickle, and I am glad you can join us today. The Proper Atmosphere is a weekly podcast focused on answering your questions about mental performance, coaching, and lifelong learning, and the Proper Atmosphere is proud to be sponsored by ICN Athletics. ICN Athletics makes the extraordinary ordinary through adaptive beach volleyball. Everyone should have the opportunity to enjoy and excel at this sport and ICN offers the programs and education to make it normal for adapted athletes to play on any court. Help us make the beach volleyball court a place for everybody. For more information or to make a donation to this 501c3, please visit icnathletics.com. Thank you, and we'll see you in the sand. And I am so glad to be sponsored by ICN and Dave and John and the guys are doing great work there. So please make sure you check out their website and if you can make a donation to help that program go. All right. So we are on episode 12 and this episode is called the King of Conflict. And Jeff is a baseball player from California and he wrote in and asked, I seem to have conflict with most of my team members. I guess it's just our personalities are different, but what can I do? So let's dive into this. And first, let me start with my personal opinion on one of the things that you hit about personalities. And you will see a lot because right now it seems to be a big buzz having teams and coaches and programs go through disc personality trait, you know, testing and questionnaires or Myers-Briggs or, you know, whatever they're trying to put in and fit all these pieces together. And I'm going to be honest with you for most teams and the average group, especially if you just kind of get what you get and there isn't recruiting, i.e. high school, middle school sports. Disc isn't going to do you a whole lot for a couple reasons. One, you can't recruit in and get people to fit into your scheme or, you know, what you perceive that you want. Secondly, How much are you actually going to change in your coaching or your practice to fit those different personalities? It's going to be tough, right? So I'm just not so sure that for the average person 
or the average coach going through the whole process. And then there's the whole side of, are they even telling you the truth when they do those questionnaires or are they answering and telling you what they think you want to hear? So there's just a whole slew of reasons why I just don't trust personality trait quizzes when it comes to teams and athletics, especially in the high school, junior high club world. It's a little bit different in college and professional when you can actually recruit and take that into consideration. But for the most part, most coaches aren't going to be able to do much or anything with that. Um, and you can argue that, well, it gives them a better understanding. Again, it goes to if they were fully truthful. And in my experiences, especially working in the youth population, the first time you do it, usually they're going to put down what they think you want to hear, not you know, totally true. And it depends on the environment. Is mom and dad sitting there? Is the coach sitting there while they're taking the quiz? So it just, there, there's a lot of things that could really go wrong with that. So I try to avoid that. So I just kind of want to take the personality part out of your question, Jeff, and focus just on the actual conflict. And I think what the bigger problem and what we tend to ignore is we don't know how to deal with conflict. We don't really teach conflict resolution or even a lot of communication through our schools anymore. You know, a lot of times we'll hear the need for sports is because it teaches these life skills, whether it's communication, conflict resolution, grit, um, mental flexibility, you know, all these different skills that we throw out there when people attack athletics, usually around budget time. And the problem is, we just kind of sit back and hope that they happen. We hope that organically you learn how to deal with conflict through sports, but it takes more than that. There has to be some teaching moments and just hoping that you're out there treading water and getting through it isn't going to work. So what I want to really focus on to is let's talk about what conflict is and how we can deal with it better. And I think that might be the approach that'll work best for you, Jeff, is instead of thinking about your personalities Let's think about how you actually deal with conflict. And the first thing is, what is conflict? For a lot of people, I would venture to guess above 80% of people in the world. The minute you hear conflict, it has this negative connotation to it. And while I get that to an extent, what we have to really remember is that conflict is productive, right? It's, it's a productive ideological conflict. We're passionate about it. We're hopefully unfiltered about it when we debate, and it's around an important issue. That's what conflict is. It's at its base, it's not negative or positive. It's a way that we're communicating in a situation that we're communicating. The key comes into, we have to have trust with the person that we're having the conflict with. Because without trust, then we're just trying to win the fight or win the argument and not actually solve the problem. And without trust, people start to listen to ways that they can poke holes in your argument or how they can manipulate the conversation to their side. So the real key is we need to work on that trust component and make sure that we have trust. And we also have to make sure that we are vulnerable in that moment of conflict. And what I mean by that is we need to make sure that we're going to say what needs to be said 
and we don't leave things on the table or we don't leave things to talk about later, you know, behind closed doors or with other people. When we're in that moment of conflict, we want to make sure that with our trust, we're being vulnerable and being open to what our needs are, right? And fear of conflict can be very uncomfortable, but that's part of the learning process. So it can be uncomfortable to a degree, but what we really need to look for is where can you find what we like to call the ideal conflict point? All right. So if we think of a line chart of, of, of conflict, the whole way to the left, we have what is the, the left side is constructive criticism and the right side of the line is destructive criticism. And if we go too far to the left, we have artificial harmony. We're just agreeing to agree to keep the peace, but that's not actually how we feel. And then on the whole way to the right, on the destructive part of the line, we're having personal attacks where it's not even about the topic. It's more about attacking the person bringing up the topic. And what we need to do is find that point in the middle where we're not being artificial and fake with our conflict, but we're also not being nasty and personal with our tech. So we got to find that ideal point in the middle. There are a lot of ways that we can do that, but I think the biggest way starts with what we call conflict norming. And what that means is how do you deal with conflicts? So maybe your coach isn't setting these standards out. And that's fine because a lot of coaches don't even think much about this, but it's something that you can set. So when you have a conflict with someone, so Jeff, let's say that you have a conflict with Bobby. Conflict norming is the concept of, okay, this is the process and how we handle conflict. We're going to sit down in private. We're going to hash it out. We're going to talk about it. We're not going to do it in the middle of the game, in the middle of a match, in the middle of practice, in the field, in front of everyone. What are your processes and how are you going to make those normal? And one of the things that's to start with is make sure both sides are ready to have this debate because a lot of the tension comes from trying to have conflict resolution when one side isn't even ready. So it may sound weird or trivial, but the very first thing that you need to ask is, can we discuss this or can we debate this or can we resolve this? Just ask that question right away and respect the answer from the other side. If Bobby says, no, I'm not ready to, then just stop. Now, obviously you don't want to give him a pass every single day and let it linger and grow. At some point, you're going to have to be a little bit more forceful and have this conversation but start by asking and making sure that they're ready because that means, okay, I now understand that Jeff wants to have this discussion with me and we're going to have it and we'll go into our normal process. We're going to go sit down somewhere alone and we're going to discuss it. And then maybe the key is once you get through and, and, and this I think is probably if we say that the one of the biggest or the first problems is that both sides aren't ready to have this discussion, a lot of times in conflict, the biggest part, the second biggest part is not knowing what you just 
finish or did. So when you think you're done, make sure you wrap it up by saying, okay, this is what we resolved today. And this is what we plan to do moving forward. Because the last thing that you need is coming out of, you know, trying to resolve this conflict is one side just agreeing to agree to get out of the conversation. And then that festers because there was no real resolution. They were just ending because they were tired of it. So the last thing that you need to do is recap what you talked about and recap what you you know, are agreeing to or how you resolved it and make sure that you're both on the same page. Or again, that's going to continue to fester. All right. So another, you know, so we call that real time permission, right? Well, in the beginning, when we say, Bobby, are you ready to discuss this? We need to resolve it. So that's real time position or I'm sorry, real time permission. So we start with conflict norming, finding the ideal spot, real-time permission. And in the norming, we want to create a positive conflict environment, right? So probably quiet, private, so it's not in front of everyone. And, you know, maybe you want to set some ground rules like, hey, you can go first, give me a chance to respond. We're not going to interrupt each other. You know, over time, I'm not saying at every meeting you have to go over what the rules are. This should begin to filter into what the culture is of your team or your environment is what is going to be our conflict resolution environment. So it's not like you have to go through this list of rules every single time. All right. And then the other key component is we actually have to like mine and look for conflict. There are a lot of things that sometimes that we just let go because we feel like, oh, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to make a big stink about it. I don't want to raise a concern about it. But those are perfect times and things to maybe discuss and talk with so that you can get used to the process so that when it is something big or something larger, it's not a foreign concept of how you're going to resolve this conflict. So for example, maybe a teammate isn't carrying the medical kit and you always have to pick it up and carry it. Instead of just, I just don't want to address it because I don't want to get in a fight about it. Take the time to use something simple like that to address and say, okay, these are our norms. This is the environment. And this is how we're going to go through it. That way, when it becomes a big issue like playing time or attitudes, it's easier to have those conversations because you've practiced with the little stuff that didn't really matter. Right. So we want to make sure that we get practice in. It's just like any other skill. We have to make sure that we get those moments and we can work on the craft of conflict resolution. So in this segment, let's just kind of get the takeaways from what we just went over, right? Good conflict requires trust. We have to trust the person that we're having the conflict with. If we don't trust them, then it's going to go nowhere. And we see this in the you know current political environment. It's usually not so much the A and B issue as much as it is person one doesn't trust person two. So it doesn't matter what person two does. So we have to figure out how to learn and earn people's trust and how we give our trust. And a lot of time that's with us just being open 
And sometimes that's hard. It's scary, right? Maybe they're not going to be open. You're afraid to open up and then they're going to just attack you on it. But then you realize that this is a conflict that's not worth getting into because there's no way to resolve it because there's no trust there. Another takeaway is we know that conflict is going to be uncomfortable and we know that's where we learn. We just have to get used to being uncomfortable in situations. That doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing. It just means that we have to get better and learn to be uncomfortable with it. Conflict norms will vary, but they have to be made clear. And it can be from team to team, year to year. How you handle conflict your freshman year might be different than how the team handles it your senior year. So you want to make sure that you understand what the norms are. And maybe that's literally a, f- a first meeting that you have with the team. Whether you're a captain or a teammate or a coach is how are we going to handle our conflicts? Is it going to be person one and person two handling it in private? Does there need to be a moderator? Does a coach need to be involved? Or maybe there are certain things. If it's, you know, someone's not pulling their weight, carrying equipment or putting things away, maybe the players can just handle that. Or if it's something where, you know, breaking team rules, alcohol, drinking, whatever, maybe that's something that you want to have a coach in as a moderator. But the biggest key is, uh, the biggest key that we need to take away from this is fear of personal conflict shouldn't deter you from a productive debate because you're afraid to have a conflict some with someone shouldn't force you to not have those debates because then it's just going to linger at some point it's going to blow up and cause major issues so we have to get over those fears all right so that's the backdrop that that's 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 conflict in a nutshell and how i i think we should deal with it So how do we get to the nuts and bolts of it? And how we listen is a big component of how we resolve conflict. And I think one of the things that we need to go through is is what are the components of dealing with angry people or dealing with frustrated people? And I think we need to look at a general conversation or a conflict and Maybe those first 30 seconds is where you just completely listen. Just get relaxed, listen to them, invite them to sit down. Just the act of sitting down can help diffuse the situation. It changes our body language. It changes the mood and what's going on. So within that first 30 seconds, Bobby comes up to you, Jeff, and says, I just can't believe this, you know, you keep doing this. I keep having a problem. Just relax. Take it in for those first 30 seconds and then say, hey, Bobby, can we just sit down and let's discuss this? Then let them continue. Let them, you know, blow off the screen, but, but listen to them and take it seriously. Because even if it's something that maybe you don't take seriously, you're not filling up the water bottles or you forgot to lock the, the storage room. Obviously, if they're upset and they're bringing it to you, it means a lot to them. So you need to take it seriously. Whether you feel like it warrants that or not, they do. So you need to take that seriously and listen actively to them. Let them know that you hear them and what they're saying. And then... Once that kind of has resolved in the sense that they blew off their steam, it's out and open what they're talking about. Repeat what's going on. 
All right, Bobby. So what I'm hearing is you're upset with me because you feel like I'm not helping pull the weight with the supplies and I'm not bringing the balls down to practice. What would your solution be to fix that? See, now you're putting it back on them that, okay, you understand what they're upset and what their problem is. And you want to hear what their solution might be. And then you can work out the nuts and bolts of it. Right? And it may just be an misunderstanding. Maybe that's not your job. But Bobby doesn't know that. And you say, Bobby, I agree with you. But that's Steve's job. And I only did it one day because Steve wasn't there. It's not my everyday job. Now, I'll gladly help if we need help. But I think it's just a misunderstanding of what our job or our duties are. Right? So we repeat the problem. We let them know that you're taking it seriously. You ask them for your solution, their solution or the resolution. And then you kind of work through those resolutions. We have to remember, though, that we have to treat our teammates as people first. And I think a lot of times when teammates get upset with each other, we forget that there's a human there. There's a person behind that emotion. And we have to continue to take into effect that how they feel and how they act may be completely different for whatever reason this issue may be huge for them and it is absolutely nothing to you but we can't go in there thinking it's nothing to them and they're just making you know a big deal out of it so i think jeff to kind of sum things up is i think that might be where you're at i don't think you're the king of conflict i just think you have no process yet on how to deal with that conflict. Or maybe your whole team doesn't. Maybe you do have the process and they're not buying into it. And that's a discussion that you need to kind of have with your coach and say, hey, coach, how can we better as a team work out these conflicts? Right? So if that's not the case and you don't have those processes, start to go back and think about what we talked about in the beginning. How are you going to normalize conflict? How are you going to set that environment that's going to be a positive environment for you to solve this conflict? And remember, try to get them to sit down, tell them to go ahead, repeat what you think their main issue is to make sure everyone's on the same page. Because again, a lot of times when we have conflict, we're not even talking about the same thing and we just continue to argue. So we need to make sure that everyone's on the same page. If you're the one initiating the conflict, then make sure you ask for real-time permission. Hey, Bobby, I'm really having a problem with this right now. Can we talk about this? That way that you're not blindsiding him. Maybe Bobby has a lot of things on his mind, and this is the last thing he wants to deal with. So if you force that conversation, it's automatically going to get heated and negative because he just doesn't want to deal with it right now. And again, it doesn't give him a pass forever. You know, At some point, look, Bobby, I tried to talk to you about it, and you keep avoiding, but we really need to talk about it now. And here's what we need to discuss. 
All right. And then the other thing is, remember, mind for conflict. Look for those little things that you can start to work on with your team or your teammates or your schoolmates or your girlfriend. You know, this is a life skill for everything. But look for the little things. Don't always just avoid them because you're afraid to have the conflict. Remember, conflicts aren't negative until we make them negative with our words and our actions. So we want to make sure that we can get the practice on the little things. Forgetting to turn the water off, putting dishes away, putting equipment away, cleaning off the equipment. How many times have you done something because you just felt like, I don't want to get in a fight about this? And we have to stop thinking that conflict is a fight. It's not. Conflict is a means of resolution when two sides don't agree. But we have to make sure that they're talking about the same thing. So, Jeff, I hope this answers your question. Again, all these topics that we cover on this podcast could be hours-long discussions. But I think there's a lot of little key points here that will help you. And I don't think you are the king of conflict. I think you just, you and or your program or your environment doesn't have any standards or methodologies on how to deal with conflict. So that would be a start. Just find out how you're going to deal with conflict. And then you personally can work on how you deal with it. Asking for the real time permission, listening actively to them, repeating what their problem is, and then asking them how, you know, how do you think we can resolve this? And then you can work out the details. But my guess is if, and I'm purely going off speculation here, is if you're having a lot of these conflicts, it's because a lot of people are just letting things go and it finally reaches a boiling point and you have these blow ups or these conflicts. So get the trust in your teammates as well. Because if you trust where they're coming from, then you feel like, oh, they're not personally attacking me. They're just passionate about this issue. And we've talked about trust in other episodes. So if you want to go back and check those out and kind of see how we work and deal with trust. But especially in a team, everything you do as a team has to start with trust. Whether it's conflict resolution, accountability, you know, Anything we deal with on the team side has to start with trust, but especially with conflict, because you need to trust that where they're coming from is because they want things to change or get better. And it's not because they're personally attacking you. All right. Well, that is our episode for this week. Again, thank you, Jeff, for reaching out. I know sometimes these topics are tough, and I hope that you have found something in here that will help you. And remember, you can send us your questions to podcast at properatmosphere.com, or you can reach out to us on social media, all our social media handles, at 717soul or at realdanmickle. I would love to hear from you and answer some of your questions. And again, a huge shout-out to our official podcast sponsors, ICN Athletics. John and Dave doing great things there. Make sure you visit them at icnathletics.com. Peace, love, don't suck, and see you on our next episode. To this episode of The Proper Atmosphere, hosted by Dan Mickle and presented by Soul Performance Academy. Please send all your questions, comments, or inquiries to podcast at properatmosphere.com 
or reach out to us across all social media at 717soul. We look forward to answering your questions in future episodes. And remember, you can listen to The Proper Atmosphere on any popular podcast service such as Google Play, iTunes, Pandora, and Spotify. Thank you and have a great day.